change with, you know. going over the announcements I'll go over, um, in the service but uh, women's Bible study um, I should have gotten an update what's the update Miss Gail give us an update on what the women's Bible study is going to look like That's the update I needed to give. So um, we are splitting up the women's Bible studies. Our um, Bible studies leaders are just so great and so prepared that they went ahead and made the decision to split it up to 18 weeks. And so it'll be, Miss Gill, correct me if I'm wrong, we'll do eight in the spring and then eight in the fall on the same study. We'll do nine in the spring. Just to do that. <laughs> and nine in the fall. There we go. And then two in the winter. I was I was holding those for Advent. I was holding them for Advent. Great. That's the announcement we needed to make. Um, VBS is coming the first week of June. We would love for you to help um, help out. Um, we have double the space to prepare now, um, which means we have double the space for kids. Um, but we will put up um, the sanctuary. The set, we, we make up the sanctuary um, so that Sunday before VBS starts, we will be able to see what the kids will be able to see on Sunday morning, and that's just a great time. Uh, so we would love your help preparing for VBS. Um, Go ahead and turn your Bibles. Um, we're in. We're still in the Lord's the Lord's Prayer. Um, although uh, we're not going to talk that much about the Lord's Prayer um, this morning. So last week, um, if you weren't here, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I don't think I posted last week's um, Sunday school lesson. Um, I will do that this week. Uh, we did a, a recap. Uh, we talked about um, the overall theme of the Lord's Prayer, what we learned um, each week, and then we really looked at the ending of what we say in our Lord's Prayer, which actually isn't in the Scriptures. Um, it's the, for thine is the kingdom, the glory, and the fret forever and ever is not in um, the Scriptures, and neither is the Amen. But we looked at why those things are true, and we actually also looked at why we say Amen at the end of our prayers is we are saying we agree with everything that we have just said. Truly, truly is in the Greek text, amen, amen. And so when, when we are saying amen at the end of the prayer, we are putting our stamp of approval and saying we agree with this. And not only will we, do we agree with this, we are promising to live this out in our daily lives. And as we've learned over the past 10 weeks, that's a lot. Living out the Lord's Prayer is a lot. But I'm actually going to back up in Matthew chapter 6, and we're just going to look at verse 8 this week. 
And I want to ask the question this morning of why. Why should we pray? Because here's the context of the Lord's Prayer. Look at me um, at Matthew chapter 6, verse 8 on page 811. Thank you. The only, the only one I didn't write down. Matthew chapter 6, verse 8 says, But when you pray, oops, sorry, that's verse 6. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. When we pray, what are we doing? If the Father already knows what we're going to ask Him, why should we pray? If God has ordained everything, we looked at God's will, and we saw that He has His revealed will and His decreative will, where He decrees everything from the very beginning. Our confession says, The decrees of God are His eternal purposes, according to the counsel of His will, whereby for His own glory He hath foreordained whatsoever comes to pass. Isaiah 46, 9-10 through 10 says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will accomplish my purpose. And so the age-old question, if this is true, why do we pray? And R.C. Sproul, in his book, I meant to bring it up here, we have one, um, it's one of those small little booklets on why we should pray, or the reason that we pray. He says, does our prayers change anything about God? And his answer was no, it does not change anything about God. And he actually quotes Augustine. He says, Augustine said that nothing happens in the universe apart from the will of God. That is, in a certain sense, he has ordained everything. But then R.C. Sproul asks the question, does our prayer change things? And to this he gives a positive answer of yes. Our prayers do change things, but it does not change God. It changes us. And as much as I love R.C. Sproul, and as much as I would love to get into the theology of why our prayers should change and how that works with God's decree, I actually want us to ask a different question this morning, and I just want to ask the question of why should we pray? Why should we pray? And there's multiple answers to this, but I just want to give two answers this morning. And the first is God commands us to pray. The short, that's, that's the short answer. Why should we pray? God commands it. And the second answer is God and our prayers as instruments to bring about change. So God commands us to pray and God uses us and our prayers as instruments to bring about that change. So I'm going to read some passages 
you can, if you're like Bill, write these down. Um, um, I'm going to go through them pretty rapidly. But in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. That is a command to his disciples. Watch and pray. In Luke chapter 18, verse 1, And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Ephesians 6.18, a passage that we are going to look at at the very end of this lesson. Pray at all times in the Spirit with a prayer of supplication. Romans 12, because here's the truth. Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. Guess what Jesus believes? That God has ordained everything that... Authors of Scripture believed in the authority and the sovereignty of God, and never at one time did they question, hmm, if God is sovereign over all things, why, why should we even pray? It never crossed their mind of his sovereignty, but because he can actually bring about change. That is why God's people pray. So we're going to go to Daniel chapter 46 of your pew Bibles. And this morning, we're honestly just going to spend some time looking at the scriptures um, and and how it teaches us here to pray. So Daniel 9, um, if Daniel 9 isn't bookmarked or highlighted um, in your your Bibles, even in your pew Bibles, I mean, just go go at it. Um, This is one of the great prayers um, in all of scripture. So Daniel chapter 9, I'm just going to start off by reading the first two verses. In the first year of Darius, the son of Asherus, by descent of Mede, who was made king over all the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year it happened. Daniel is in exile in Babylon, and he has found the text of Jeremiah that says, I'm going to send you away for 70 years. Daniel is admitting, hey, guess what? What God said, what would happen 70 years ago has come true. This is divine sovereignty. God is in control of all of history. And then look at what we see in verses 3, and I'm going to read all the way to, to 23. So Daniel 9, 3 to 23. God's sovereign. God said 70 years ago, Or he said in the book of Jeremiah, I'm going to send you away from 70 years. That has come true. And look at Daniel's response. Then I turned my face to the Lord, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy, with fasting and soakcloth and ashes. And I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned and done wrong, acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. We have not listened to princes and our fathers and to all the people of the land. To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us open shame. As at that time, to the men of Judah, 
to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to all Israel, those who are near and those who are far away in all the lands to which you have driven them, because of the treachery that they have committed against us. To us, O Lord, belongs open shame, to our kings and to our princes and to our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord, our God, belong mercy and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in, in his laws, which he set before us his servants, with the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. And the curse of the oath that are written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out upon us because we have sinned against him. He was confer- confirmed. He has confirmed his words, which he spoke against us and against our rulers who ruled us by bringing upon us a a great calamity. For under the whole heaven, there was not there has not been anything like what we yet. We were not entreated the favor of the Lord, our God, turning from our iniquities and gaining insight by your truth. Therefore, the Lord has kept ready the calamity and has brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all the works that he has done, and we have not not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt that with a mighty hand and have made a name for for yourself as it is this day, we have sinned, we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your from your city, Jerusalem, your holy hill, because of our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people have become a byword among all who are around us. Now, therefore, O our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for mercy. And for your own sake, O Lord, make your face to shine upon your sanctuary, which is in desolate, which is desolate. O my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city that is called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake. O my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. That's a good prayer. That is a good prayer. And now let's read the last three verses. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my plea before the Lord my God from the holy hill of my God, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at first, came to me in swift flight. And at the time of the evening sacrifice, He made me understand, speaking with me and saying, O Daniel, I have now come out to give you insight and understanding. At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word was sent out, and I have come to tell you, for you are greatly loved. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. The chapter begins. God, you said you're going to send us off. For 70 years, this came true. Daniel responded with this great confession. I wish I wish we could use this entire passage as our confession every single week, right? 
but reading this together might, might, might be a little too much. But then what do we see in verses 20 to 23? A direct response from God because of his prayer. This text is holding these two truths right next to each other and doesn't give us an answer. How can God be sovereign and why do we pray? God's sovereignty, man's responsibility. God commands us to pray. We are to pray. And the scriptures don't see this as a contradiction. And they also don't see it as needing to give an answer. Because God listens. And God responds. Why does Daniel pray? Because he believes God is sovereign. And he believes that God listens. And what do we see? God is sovereign and God listens. This isn't just an Old Testament truth. Turn with me now to Acts chapter 4. So on page 912 of your pew Bibles. right after the Gospel of John, Acts 4. And we're going to read um, verses 23 to 30. Acts 4, 23 to 30. And they, so this is Peter and John, just being released from prison, went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And When they heard it, they lifted up their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth, the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in the city... There were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand had planned, whatever your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and their grant and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Again. You are the God that has created everything. You are a God that has predestined this plan to happen. That Herod and Pilate, for the first time in history, worked together to conspire to kill Jesus. And yet, what do the apostles do? They pray. Grant us favor. We are instruments that God uses to bring about his plan. God in his sovereignty is so powerful that he uses instruments like you and me through the means of prayer to bring about his purposes. And so we are called to, by faith, 
to come before him and to pray. Lastly, let's go to Revelation 8. It's on page 1032. Revelation 8. We're just going to read the first five verses. When the land opened the, when the lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven and for about half an hour. Men in the middle of the Bible study, half an hour. Silence. Just wanted to point that out. Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them, and another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer. And he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. And the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth. And there were peals of thunder, rumbling, flashes of lightning, and earthquake. Where do our prayers go? They are lifted up before God in His presence. The saints pray, and there's heavenly activity going on because of it. Peter and John prayed for the same reason that Daniel prayed. For the same reason we see Jesus pray in John chapter 17, the high priestly prayer. They prayed because God is sovereign. Because God is the only God in the universe who can actually change things. And because God is the only God in the universe that actually listens. Finally, let's go to Ephesians Chapter 6. Uh, it's on page 979 of your Pew Bibles. Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to read verses 10 to 20 passage that should be pretty familiar with most of us, especially if you've been to any VBS in the past 30 years. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the agencies, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Let's just stop there for a second. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and, have done, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, 
and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Turn with me just back a few pages to Ephesians 1. Verse 3, beginning in verse 3. This is the same book. This is the same book that we just read. Paul asking the saints to pray for him to be strong, that he might preach the gospel. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as saints through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. This is the bookend of this book. Book ends of this book. Paul begins this book laying down the foundation, one of the key foundation passages that teach us about God's sovereign decree. And he ends the book asking for the saints to pray fervently. Prayers of intercession. He's urging the people to go before the Lord because he hears them. Why do we pray? We pray because God commands it. And why do we pray? Because our prayers actually change things. For there would be no reason for Paul to encourage the people to pray. How many of you have heard the, 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 the ACTS acronym? Prayers of Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, and Supplication. Acts. Larry, you've heard of that? Bill? Then there's the eyes. Illumination, intercession, and invocation. This gives us a great breadth of what the people of God should do. Even as our scriptures themselves lay out this great theology of the will of God, of the sovereign, decreative will of God, we also see in this text that we are to pray. And here's the question we have to ask ourselves. All right, this is where it gets real. Does our prayer life reveal that we believe in the gospel? Does our prayer life reveal that we actually believe in the gospel? that we believe that God is our Father in heaven through Jesus Christ? Do we actually believe that God uses our prayers to change things? Do we believe that our prayers, not changing God's will, might actually change us? Go back and read Daniel chapter 9 at some point. 
and, and, and just look at what Daniel's actually praying. Most of what Daniel's praying is actually Scripture itself. Most of what Daniel's praying is, God, you have said this is true. And because you are faithful, make it so. A good place to start with prayer is always praying the word of God back to him. Not because we're informing him of anything, because we are being transformed by his word. And when we pray, we enter in into God's presence, our heavenly father's presence. And there's nothing else that can happen to us other than we change. Because that's what the presence of God does in the midst of his people. He changes us. Why should we pray? Because God commands it. Why else should we pray? Because God uses us to bring about change. Change in our own lives and change in the world around us. This is why we should pray. Amen. Next week, I believe, is going to be our last week. Um, in um, the Lord's Prayer, or just in prayer in general, and it's going to be from Romans 8. So if you want to um, be a, a, a good student, go ahead and read Romans 8 for next week. Let me pray for us. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Lord, give us eyes to see our blind spots. Lord, may we be a people who are in continual prayer. May we come to you as children, coming to our Father, not informing him of anything that he needs to know, but merely to be in the Father's presence. But Lord, we also pray that you will be faithful to your covenant promises. We pray that you will bring about change in this world. Lord, we ask, please come quickly. In the name of Christ, amen.